guys welcome back to another episode of the three bagger podcast i'm here with my co-host nick frieri uh stam is still on the long-term dl so he should be back at some point but uh we'll let you know when he's activated nick how you doing man oh doing well evan um things actually happened in baseball uh in the past week so i'm excited to talk about that we have had a pretty exciting nfl playoffs and we got the uh, champ uh, college uh, football championship game tonight so it's been a exciting day in sports and uh Looking forward to talking with you about it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's happening as we speak. That'll be an interesting game after this. I'll get on to watch that for sure. Um, All right, so let's jump right into it. Um, Obviously, the big news in baseball uh, this last week, the New York Mets getting Francisco Lindor. We all knew Lindor was going to get traded, but it seemed to be a pretty big mystery where he was going to be traded to as well as when it would happen. I think that this is going to kind of open the market a little bit more as one of the big trade chips is off the table and yeah, it definitely improves the Mets. Um, What are your thoughts on it? Oh, absolutely. I think it improves the Mets. I think another uh, great pick by Evan, I'm pretty sure you mentioned on our free agent podcast that this could be a great target for the Mets as someone who can go after and get, they were able to do the trade. Now you're looking at, they really did upgrade their lineup here and they actually pretty improved themselves in a pretty crowded NL. East, I'm looking forward to talking to you about this thing. If we look here at the NL East, we got a lot of stars and a lot of teams that are looking to go to the playoffs. So it's definitely going to be a race. Um, I'm not sure they're the top team yet, but they're they're pretty close. So this is a guy who comes in the middle of the lineup. I think also the game Carrasco, too, another starter, kind of solidifying the rotation. That rotation's going to look pretty good uh, next year. Just all the different players you look at. You got the Grom, Syndergaard, you know, just everyone there is going to be Stroman. And now Carrasco, it's, it's, it's pretty solidified now. So they're a pretty round team. You know, Cohen said he's going to come in. He wanted to build a team. He, he wanted to have a team New York can get behind. And so far he's done it. We'll see who else they can go grab. Yeah, I mean, I think the acquisition of Carrasco with that was just, just so underrated. Like people are going to overlook that so much. Like he's been a solid pitcher for Cleveland. And if he didn't get traded, he would have been Cleveland's, you know, like entrenched number two behind Bieber. Um, I mean, he's a great pitcher. It's a great ad for the Mets. But like, I, as soon as the trade happened, was like, all right, Lindor is going. And then I looked on, you know, I follow all the Twitter analysts, um, or not the Twitter analysts, the baseball analysts on Twitter. And I mean, like Carrasco into that deal. And I was like, no way they pulled that off. So, I mean, like you said, awesome move by them. The Mets, like you said, Cohen wanted to come in and, build a squad with his money and his um, boldness and he's definitely done it. So Cleveland's return on this trade, I think it was very light. And yeah, I mean, obviously he only has one year left on the deal. So you're not going to get, you know, ridiculous players, but I think it was better than the return that the Orioles got from Machado, definitely. but not what it should be for getting Francisco Lindor. Oh, agreed. Um, totally agree with you. Just looking at kind of the Mets prospects, if they would have got like Pete Crow Armstrong or if they would have threw uh, like, you know, Brett Batty in there, I think it could have yep. been more fair trade uh, for, for the Cleveland baseball team here. Uh, just looking at there, there is some guys, obviously with these kind of prospect deals, it does take a couple of years looking at who they got. Yeah. I know they got a 19 year old in this who was just drafted last year. So it could be 
four to five years before this he could even make an MLB impact if he does make an MLB impact. So it's going to take a while. It really also, this deal, just how successful it is for both teams depends on what type of deal Lindor will sign long-term. Um, the reports are he is open to long-term. That would make sense. Why would he go to a team just for one year, uh, kind of in the offseason? But if he gets that kind of what these kind of top players get, that kind of, you know, seven, eight-year deal, $100, 200000000 million deal, I think this could really help. It could be easy win for the Mets on this trade. It'll be interesting. We'll have to really track these prospects down the line to see if any. Obviously, there is a shortstop that could come up. I know the player they got, um, one player they got is a shortstop, so I think he can have some type of an impact for Cleveland this year, so it'll be interesting to watch him. Like you said, there are some younger players in the trade, so it's really going to take a couple years to play out to see how they actually did. Um, and like you said as well, Lindor, if he doesn't sign an extension, then it honestly will be a win for Cleveland, no matter what, <laughs> unless the Mets win a World Series. But yeah, um, yeah. yeah, some of the prospects they got, like Ahmed Rosario, you kind of know yeah. what you're getting from him. He's, yeah. he's a little older, kind of young, and he could break out yeah. at some point, but he's not going to be a perennial superstar player. Yeah. Um, Jimenez is interesting because he played in the shortened season with the Mets, like most days. And it was kind of a mixed bag. Like he had a couple of hot stretches where he hit well and he swiped some bases and uh, played decent defense, I guess. But I mean, yeah, obviously it's not anywhere as close to Francisco Lindor, um, um, but you never yeah. know. Jimenez could be a solid shortstop for them. You don't have to have him be, you know, a superstar. Right. It's not as interesting as looking at the, kind of two the kind of two guys are closest you know Rosario is already a kind of MLB player it's just yeah. kind of it's interesting you guys read into the stats he's like he's like he's like a, a negative 10 defensive run saved in like 2019 so he's one of the worst defensive shortstops obviously yeah. seeing how uh that'll work out so getting two players up basically the same position uh I think uh Jimenez, I think he can play second too, but I think you're going to want to have him at shortstop. So yeah. we're seeing how will Rosario just become a utility player? Will he play DH? He's been solid. Uh, career uh, career um, statistics here is a 260, 268, uh, 268 batting average, uh, 32 home runs, and 148 RBI. So it's a, it's a decent player. It's just a matter of when you give up a superstar, a top five player at the position, you want to get the return. So we'll have to watch to see if these prospects and who they and who the veterans, um, not really veteran, but who they got in return for this deal, how it will work out for them in the end. Really yeah. quick, the projected Mets lineup. I mean, <laughs> it's it's solid. <laughs> it's really solid. I mean, you're gonna have Lindor and Pete Alonso anywhere in the yeah. you know one through three yeah. spots. I'd assume Lindor, Alonso at like three. I would honestly have Jeff McNeil up there probably. Yeah, at like two and then i'm blanking on some of the other guys they're definitely saw like nemo will be in there i'm sure yeah conforto yeah just <clears throat> conforto yep yeah. Yeah. yeah so like that's um, that's gonna be a great uh lineup and then backed by is Cindergard coming back this year do we know uh, i'm not sure on Cindergard. i know he ha- did have that pretty big injury so um not sure about Cindergard, but if he is guys come back you've I, I think the rotation could actually be better than the lineup. Oh, and yeah. that's saying a lot. So exactly that like four, four really good pitchers in there. It's, it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Yeah. Even without Syndergaard, you still have DeGrom, Stroman, now Carrasco. What your thoughts here, Evan? <laughs> Do you feel like now that a, probably the biggest uh, trade chip has fallen? Will it kind of help the middle infield shortstop second? Who will go now looking at who we got? We got Simeon, we got Didi Gregorius. We got your boy LeMahieu. What does it mean now for them? And will we start seeing signings start to go? 
Yeah, I think the market will pick up a little bit because um, that was kind of one of the kingpins. I mean, yeah. it's, it was really him, JT Real Muto, and LeMahieu. So once, yeah. you know, one of those guys is already down, maybe when I don't think Bauer would have too much effect on it. But like with the yeah. one kingpin down, once the other two fall, I mean, guys will kind of get rolling. Um, um, I think that there will be not urgency, but it might speed up a little bit more as well because of the announcement today that Rob Manfred literally made probably like a couple hours ago that the MLB will start on time and they will play 162 games. That's a very bold statement from Rob. And it also disproves our predictions from our uh, earlier episode. Yeah, that's a, that's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. I'm <laughs> re- really not sure about that, uh, Manfred. I mean, they can try. I really, I think it really just depends on things that are really outside of control, such as how uh, COVID numbers and how the vaccine. I know some stadiums are actually starting to be used for kind of distributing the yep, vaccine. I know Dodger Stadium, um, yep. along with the test, along with the testing, they're actually going to do uh, some vaccines there, which is pretty cool. Yeah. So just getting the more people who can get the vaccine, the closer we get to the spring. Hopefully, we'll have some fans and we can play the 162 in baseball. So, I mean, it's it's a, it'd be great in an ideal world. We do yeah. that every year. We start on time. We play 162. <laughs> yeah. But, right. I was all from 2020. That wasn't ideal. And 2021 may not be an ideal year either uh, so far as we've seen in the, in the first couple of days. So yep. it, it'll be something to watch. And I know we'll definitely talk more upon in the pod and we'll kind of reflect uh, once season starts, whether it was the right time to start it or should they delay it. So I know we'll, this is definitely a topic we'll get into more uh, in the upcoming months. Yeah, definitely. All right. So we're going to have kind of a shorter episode today just because there's not too much baseball news going on. Um, we're going to, kind of end it here with a segment about the NFL playoffs, just because that's, you know, obviously a big thing going on in sports right now. Um, The NFL televising a game on Nickelodeon. That was pretty interesting. I mean, I watched the entire game. I'm sure you did too. Yep. Um, Some of the stuff they did. One of the really funny parts you saw this was they gave the Nickelodeon MVP. Yeah. (laughs) You you saw they gave it to Mitch Trubisky. Trubisky. Oof. That's threw, be rough. The guy, <laughs> the guy threw for like a hundred yards and an interception or something. I, like, I'm like, wh- where did this come from? You know, that, 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 that's why you love fan votes. We've seen in the past, you know, in past when like an enforcer in hockey, like the guy from the Coyotes, he got the fan vote. I know Yao <laughs> Minky always led the league in like NBA voting, even though he didn't ever play like his final four years. It's just amazing. This is, this is what happens when you give fans power. They elect who <laughs> they want and they get Mr. Trubisky in there. And it just makes it even funnier, which I'm a big fan of. For all you Star Wars nuts out there. I love democracy. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, but exactly. Oh boy. But yeah, I mean, overall, I still think the game was pretty well presented. I mean, I liked how when they had the touchdowns and everything, they do like the slime. Slime cam, like yeah. The, yeah, the slime cam. Like that was pretty neat. Uh, I don't know. Do you think that kind of oddball networks like this that aren't really into the sport um, world are going to try to do what Nickelodeon's doing and try to expose their audience and you know to fans as well as the nfl trying to you know break into those other niche markets that they really aren't in right now definitely um i think if you if your league has the bandwidth and your broadcasting partner has the bandwidth go ahead and do it i know for the past couple years espn with the college uh, football national championship game that's happening tonight they actually do a thing called with a mega cast where all the different espn platforms they give you different channels where you can watch the traditional broadcast you can watch the broadcast with the coaches you can watch the broadcast from people 
uh, the um, people on the sideline. You can see the home and away broadcast. Just providing these different options, I think it's a really good idea. I um, I know watching the game too, seeing all different things, the different effects of kind of my best part is they explain the rules, but you make sure they really didn't want to talk down the kid, which which I kind of like. Said, okay, yeah. some of the rules you may not be sure of. Let's go ahead on the broadcast, maybe explain to it, make sure we're not dumbing it down for you. But you can still come here and watch a good product where it's going to enhance it for you. So going yeah. forward, I could definitely see more sports kind of going to this model of, well, if we went to a different network and use their talent so we can kind of do cross-promotion information, what else, what kind of tools do we have so we can get more eyes on our sport product, which I think going forward is going to be a great idea. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, going off that, I mean, do you have any ideas of uh, what networks or what sports you'd like to see uh, going forward here? I mean, I definitely think that baseball could benefit from this just because, I mean, popularity is decreasing a little bit. So, like, anything they can do to just just get the sport out there, get eyes on the sport, and maybe attract new fans that aren't, you know, already into it. I mean, I'm trying to think of, like, other networks. I'm kind of having trouble, though. I don't know where else you'd really promote it. Um, Any ideas? Yeah. Yeah, I think kind of my thing, it's kind of like maybe you do something like like a roast or Comedy Central something like on a yeah. broadcast. I think yeah. it really work well where you like you bring a comedian in, into the booth, like still try to have it like have your serious broadcast, bring someone else in, like have someone just come and start roasting players or have like, <laughs> have like a Brockmeyer type come in and kind of do a game. Yeah. Like just yeah, just to do something else. Like, yeah, it really works for baseball if it's slow paced atmosphere. Yeah. I know sometimes like in mid innings, they'll bring a guest on. You can do that with like bring different people on, kind of see if they can like have this just a giant roast of players that could be pretty cool. It's <laughs> like there's all these different things and all the different networks. I think there will be um, I think this idea did work for the NFL. Um, I don't think it'd be a weekly thing. I think that's kind of oversaturation there, mm-hmm. but definitely like once a year, uh, maybe as a special, maybe do one for a regular season game saying, hey, uh, let's do early Sunday game. Um, you can watch it here on CBS and Fox, but if you want to watch Nickelodeon, the options there for you, same setup, which I kind of like is giving the people the options of way to consume it. Because these teams do, they have giant broadcasting teams and why don't you use the talent you have to make different products for everybody? So, it works for the NFL. You got more viewers. So hopefully we see more of it going forward. Yeah. <clears throat> One of the other things I just thought about, um, like they do during spring training with miking up players during the game. Yeah. I think they should start doing that a lot more because that's awesome. I mean, I love, you know, it's awesome. Like just sitting there and listening to the players talk yeah. while they're like in the heat of the game and everything. And I know it's probably a little bit distracting. distracting and that's yeah. why they do it during spring training mostly because, you know, yeah. it's not um, aware on their you know actual performance but like i still think that would be cool like during a playoff game or something to mic up like garrett cole on the mound or something when he's picking up big strikeouts like uh, one guy that i really wish they did it with would have been like cc sabathia just to see what that guy said oh boy like that i think that would be a good step in growing the sport but i mean there are definitely some roadblocks and some hurdles into that yeah yeah i I think with that just making sure you find the right balance of uh, players who are trying to concentrate on the game. I know sometimes, like I know, I watched one with uh, when he had Ramon Laureano. They're trying to interview him while he's trying to make like a, like a big catch, to, like to see if it, make a throw to, uh, all the way to home plate. But I think that make sure you find the right balance of okay, let's let's do these and let's make sure we do the interviews in low pressure early inning situation. Yeah, really not not much going on with the game. Try not to do one with base load uh, nine uh, ninth inning. That's probably not the best yeah. time to do an interview. But like, these low pressure situations, I think is a be great. Kind of because see okay. Uh, first inning what are you usually looking for you see this batter up to play where are you going to play him i think just kind of more tools we can do there i think it's a pretty cool uh thing especially with now with all the different uh 
ways uh, they can do content now. Maybe it's to do special on Twitter where you have the, uh, the player mics. I think there's all the different ways these net, all these different ways these uh, sports leagues can use the different channels so that way you're creating the best content possible for your audience. I think going forward is going to be great. Yeah, agreed. Um, one more thing before we go out here. Um, more baseball news. Fernando Tatis Jr. talking about an extension with the Padres, like 10 years. You hear about that? Yep, I heard I heard about that. And um, um I don't see him regressing anytime soon, so he probably <laughs> deserves it. So it's like I mentioned earlier on a uh, previous podcast, the Padres are gonna have to manage some money going forward, but hey, he's he looks like he's gonna be worth it for a while. Oh, yeah, that's the guy you wanna if you're gonna lock up anybody on that team right now. Fernando Tatis is the one you want. <laughs> so what to expect on some future pods here? Well, season will hopefully get started in a month or two. So we're looking forward to bringing you content, you know, from the live games that are going on, um, hopefully. And we're going to have a couple more, <laughs> hopefully, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> we're going to have a couple more interviews. We're going to bring on um, one of my buddies from the work world, uh, Derek Ewing. He works with the Tampa Bay Rays in uh, ticket sales. He's an account executive. So we'll bring him on and kind of talk to him and get his uh, either hot takes and or um, insight on the industry. So that'll be awesome. Um, Nick, I'll give it to you to uh, take us out. Yeah, sure. No problem. Uh, Thanks, Devin. Um, just a reminder here of go ahead and make sure you check out our website. There's a link there on Twitter and Instagram. There should be an update coming there of the second half of our KBO sim uh, to learn how a KBO team and a Japanese team would do in the MLB. Well, we finished that sim last week. So hope we're going to uh, put up an article later this week talking about what happened and what's going to look like for that sim going forward. So make sure you go ahead and check that out. Um, you can go ahead and uh, listen to podcasts um, on, here on Anchor, Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcast. We're pretty much everywhere now, which is uh, pretty nice. Um, also, I make sure you're going to Twitter and our Instagram at ThreeBaggerPod to get the latest info about the podcast, the website, and any of the, the Twitch streams we are doing. And uh, with that, and as always, never answer an anonymous letter. Thanks for listening. All right, guys. So... Uh, welcome back to another segment of the Three Bagger Podcast. Uh, we didn't get this episode out uh, in time, so there were a ton of signings that happened uh, after we got this out. So we're going to kind of go down the list of signings and talk about them a little bit. Um, first one, Kyle Schwarber to the Washington Nationals. I mean, oh, what was his contract? 10 mil. He got more than he would have made with the Cubs after they non-tendered him. So that's, I mean, that's a pretty good deal for Schwarber. He's going to have to play the outfield because there's no DH in Washington, but I think that's a pretty solid pickup for them. Uh, maybe hit them with Juan Soto. So the next one, I don't know how you're uh, feeling about this, but Liam Hendricks, uh, one of the most dominant closers um, the last couple seasons has left the Oakland athletics and he's on his way to the Chicago white Sox, um, who look like they're really gearing up for some good stuff here. What do you think about that? It's tough. I mean, the White Sox are looking to make moves. They need to improve their bullpen, and they did. You know, it's it's a lot of money for for a relief pitcher. Just looking at what the average salary is going to be, so it makes sense. The A's were not where had, had really had no interest in giving that salary. For reports where they didn't even offer anything to Hendricks, that's a little a little disappointing, a little sad for uh, for A's fans. I know, uh, just not even to like engage in a conversation with a player, just kind of let them. It's okay. We want nothing to do with 
few after the season he had, but that's disappointing. But the only positive I can see here for the A's is they do this every two or three years with their closers. You think of all different players they've had to be their closer. Uh, they're they're pretty good at kind of get finding new players, new 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 uh, positions. You think all the way back to like Grant Balfour and everyone else, Blake Triton. You know, all different guys that come through that bullpen have like one really good year. Get some other team pays them, and they find somebody else to replace them. They they've done this for the past ten years, so. Uh, I think you'll probably find somebody else. Uh, Jake Deakman is another good left-hand pitcher they have right now. Probably a slot right in that closer row. Yeah, definitely. The contract, like you said, is a little bit hefty for a reliever, but I mean, the White Sox looked like they got some money to spend. And I mean, they definitely got the young talent uh, that could possibly take a step forward this year to, you know, put them into the next level. So we'll see. Um, Next Uh, two are kind of minor signings that aren't, you know, we're not really going to talk about too much just because, it's pretty straightforward. Pedro Baez signed with the Houston Astros. So that's really just the Astros shoring up their bullpen a little bit. Um, I'm pretty sure they were uh, lower in the AL in um, bullpen last year after losing Roberto Ozuna and Ryan Presley wasn't the best as the closer. So they, you know, are signing him to kind of shore it up. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, has a career uh, three zero three ERA, uh, solid addition. So should uh, help out on the back end. Yeah, and then the other minor um, signing would be the Angels getting Kurt Suzuki. Um, uh, the guy's been in the league for a while. He's a solid defensive catcher. He's not going to produce that much with the bat, but he's always a good veteran presence to have around the clubhouse. You know, helping out Mike Trout, something like that. Um, not a terrible pickup for the Angels. Yeah, like I said, congrats to Kurt Suzuki, man. Dude's 37 years old, still out here, still catching. I mean, I didn't think he'd still be catching after he spent a couple years with the A's, bounce around. He's like either his fifth or sixth team now, but good for him, man, still playing the game. I agree. I mean, anyone playing the game at 37 years old, I mean, you're doing something right. Um, so we'll move on to the next one. Uh, the Phillies had a historically bad bullpen last year, like really bad. Um, so they picked up Archie Bradley, who – has been pretty solid for the Diamondbacks. He got traded to the Reds last year um, at the end of the season. So I think that's a pretty good pickup for the Phillies to, I mean, pretty much anyone's better than who the Phillies have in their bullpen right now. So Archie Bradley, not a bad pickup. Yeah, I definitely agree with that, Evan. Uh, like I said before, uh, we keep on seeing these names come in the NL East. The NL East, it's going to be crazy how competitive that division is going to be next year. And Bradley just adds to it. Agreed. All right, so now we'll kind of get to the end of the seg- the update segment here. Um, the New York Yankees uh, started their offseason on Friday. They uh, It was early morning broke that um, DJ LeMahieu had a contract in place with them, and I, as a Yankee fan, I cannot tell you how happy I was to see that update pop up on my phone from Bleacher Report. It was, I was at work very early yeah. in the morning. It I, popped I know, up man. at like he, seven and oh, yep. it was beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know you were doubting it though. You're reading all the reports early on. You, you thought it wasn't going to happen. I know of uh, an early segment of this pod, we were talking about, uh, I don't think you thought, you thought he was done and you thought he was gone, but you know, it's got to trust the process. Uh, came back. It's looking at the contract. It is pretty long. Um, he'll be on contract till he's 38 years old. Kind of, um, I was looking for another player of reference who's currently on kind of a long-term deal at that current age. Um, I did find Dustin Pedroia is currently 37. He's making a little under what LeMay he would make it that year. And he's only played like 15 games last two years. So hopefully, hopefully for your sake, LeMay, he will be a little more productive in those upper last years of his contract. But that's something definitely watch. But yeah, I mean, I think the contract is super team friendly as well. I mean, 
he was looking for over a hundred mil and he made that pretty public that, you know, he was looking for six years, which he got, but more at the 120 mil range. So when the contract details did come out, I was kind of surprised that it was only for 90 mil. So I'm psyched that Cashman pulled that deal off and uh, we got lay MVP back. So awesome job by Cashman and the Yankees. And then after that, they were not Mm -hmm. done the two things that I wanted the Yankees to do at the start of this off season, re-sign DJ LeMahieu and take a one-year flyer on Corey Kluber. So what did they do on Friday? Pretty much immediately after LeMahieu signed, they signed Corey Kluber one year, 11 mil. I am ecstatic. I love Corey Kluber. I loved him when he was with Cleveland. He was absolutely dominant. He hasn't had too many I mean, the last two years, he hasn't been that great, mostly because he's been injured. And the first time it was a freak injury with a broken forearm from a line drive back, but awesome job by the Yankees. They needed another, they still need more starting pitching, but they needed another starter, starting pitcher to come in. And Kluber, I think is a prime bounce back candidate and could be a solid number two or three starter for them. Yeah, definitely. Definitely agree with you. I mean, um, something to do watch. He only has pitched 36 innings the past two years. Like because of the injuries, so they'll be able to watch. Yeah, that's. I mean, they couldn't have done any better there. So, and unless he gets injured again, like he hopefully doesn't, uh, it should be a good year. And even if he does, I mean, they only gave him a year, and you know, it's eleven, eleven mils, eleven mil. So, we'll see how that works. So that's going to be the end of the updates. I'll let you guys know and come on with some more content. If other people sign and look out for some of our social media posts and maybe some of our Twitch streams. Goodbye again, guys.